Welcome to the Niches You. My name is Matt Gottesman at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, and this is my daily podcast where I create short, quick hitting episodes to help you uncomplicate life, creativity, and the pursuit of your highest self. There's only main character energy here. Now let's get into it. Welcome to episode 121. Knowing what to work on is more important than just working. And this is a big one because I've talked about busyness a lot. And you see a lot of people out there saying like, I do everything. I'm busy. I'm executing on everything. I'm getting it done. My question is, are you? And are you working in your genius? Right? So I want to talk about values and principles in knowing what to work on as a staple for your focus versus just working just to work. And this is this is big. I've come up with nine values and across three authors, which you've heard me reference before, Naval Ravikant, which is, you know, uh, he's the co-founder of angelist.co, uh, like over hundreds of, of companies, and they call him the angel philosopher, Greg McKeown, Essentialism and Effortless. Those are the books he wrote. I'm going to, by the way, reference all these books in the show notes. And then uh, Gary Keller, who created Keller Williams Real Estate and wrote the book, The One Thing. And so as I was researching about the idea of knowing exactly what do you work on and why. I devised values, if you will, to guide yourself in the process. And in no particular order, but we're going to go over, I'm going to go over them with you. The value of prioritization, the value of the right effort, the value of choice, the value of value, the value of leverage, the value of time, the value of compound interest, the value of efficiency, and the value of subtraction or elimination. Have we talked about some of these topics before? Absolutely. Why do we have to keep talking about them? Consistency. Because these are values or principles that when you start to use them to create your life versus simply just be a character in a bigger video game of others, it'll change everything within the way you move. And that's why I want to talk about that. So knowing your values within your value will create more, wait for it, value. Actually, it'll create time, energy, prosperity, outcomes, results, success, whatever it is that you want. Knowing your values within your value will create more value. So let's jump right in. The value of prioritization. Focusing on the things that align with your highest priorities. It's not about doing more, but doing the right things. So ask yourself in, in prioritization, what, what actually is taking precedence right now in your life? Why? What, what, do, what do the right things look like? What do the things that maybe shouldn't be getting your prioritization but are? What are those? And you can write all these down. I actually wrote these questions out specifically for you to use as a, whether you're journaling on them or reflection or praying on them. What do the right things look like? 
what are things that you shouldn't be prioritizing uh, look like, but you know, the, they are things that you're prioritizing. How about where are you getting the most results? And in some cases, with even more ease. So what are you prioritizing that's getting you results in your life? And in some cases, isn't as bad as you thought it would be. That's a signal that should tell you something. Because you can be prioritizing things that have absolutely nothing to do with your direction, with your livelihood, with the things that you may want, whether in your personal life, your business life, your health. So you have to look at what's taking precedence in your life. Gary Keller also brought up in his book, The One Thing, aligning your daily actions with your long-term goals. By identifying your quote-unquote one thing and consistently working on it, you can make meaningful progress toward your objectives. Think about that. Aligning your daily actions with your long-term goals. What does that even mean? You know, and I and again, how many times do I reference this in, in the, uh, the podcast about the Clarity Workshop? Again, the link is in the show notes. Uh, I call it now sometimes six days to clarity. Uh, and... In there, it talks about the average, like what is your average perfect day? And there's like several questions that you journal on to think about like, what are your goals? Because there's so much lack of clarity in that. And I think that's what leads to a lack of prioritization. I've talked with several people lately. And when I ask them certain questions, like, what do you want? Or what's the goal? Or what are you aiming for? It was so unclear and just like out there completely random and without any real direction built into it I'm like okay well like what would that be tied to what do you want with that and they go I don't know I just I want to be this and you're like okay well what does that even mean so when you know what you want your day to look like and you know what you want your future to look like Users are simply able to prioritize the type of activities daily that move you and move the needle towards there. The second one is the value of the right effort. Choosing fewer but more impactful activities to avoid dilution of effort. All right, so now we see how prioritization and right effort go hand in hand, right? So if we are prioritizing the right things, uh, that means that we're prioritizing, hopefully, the most impactful activities. Because in other words, it's about focusing your energy, time, resources on tasks that truly matter and have the potential to generate significant results. So the question to ask there is, where, what would bring you, more likely bring you the results you're looking for? What wouldn't? And then there's the avoiding of the, the fallacy of busyness, which I've talked about. Busyness without discernment leads to superficial accomplishments. This is very, very key right here. The value of the right effort. You may get things done and be like, look at everything I got done. But then you may still look at your life and be like, well, I'm not exactly where I wanted to be with my body or my uh, finances or relationships or whatever it might be, right? Okay. So were what you got done a superficial accomplishment simply because you can say, well, look what I did for this department at work and look what I did for uh, these people over here and, and, and whatever. But you sacrificed parts of you that it, it didn't even help you move the needle in anything that was actually remotely healthy for you. 
there's a you know out there there's the if you've ever heard the Pareto principle and we've talked about this before suggests that roughly 80% of outcomes come from 20% of efforts think about that 80% of all the outcomes you're experiencing are coming from 20% of the efforts this Pareto principle can actually be applied by the way to a lot of different things so you may also be getting outcomes you don't want and you have to be looking at okay what are those actions what are those results coming from what are you doing right and so the critical few tasks that drive the majority of your desired results are so so think about it the critical few tasks the 20 percent are what's driving the 80 percent outcomes and by focusing on these high leverage activities you can achieve more with less the right effort plus prioritization now have you buying back time increasing output and decreasing waste so I want you to think about that as we move into the value of choice, avoiding decision fatigue. And uh, Greg McKeown talked about this in, it was either in Effortless or uh, Essentialism. Again, I'm going to put all the links to these books in the show notes. Greg McKeown calls this the paradox of choice. So the questions you have to ask yourself, are you spreading yourself too thin? Where's the most impact coming from in your life? Can you double down on the, 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 one, the right ones to increase results while getting rid of the ones that aren't producing? And can you archive some of your ideas for later? He was talking about when you're spreading yourself too thin, and I've read this in several places, and I've also experienced this many times. I'm even in the middle of doing this right now. Listen, I'm writing two books plus a, a journal that's launching all next year. I'm trying to finish up my master class, my, one of my first ones in many years, and it's very specific. Uh, and I'm building all of the back end for that to ensure that, you know, I'm able to handle uh, all of you or the ones that are interested in, in taking this class. While I'm also uh, partaking in a couple of workshops coming up and then there's some additional things that I actually want to create, which I haven't spoken about too much yet, but I'll reveal over time. All while doing my marketing, all while doing the podcasting, all while you know having the texting community, while doing all these things. Now, along the way, I've had some very great people in my life remind me about what is maybe not getting the results right now that can be put into archive or shelved for just a little bit so I can do the highest impact points right now. We all go through this. Because what happens is if you have too many things, sometimes we just shut down. All right, there's too much. I'm not going to do it. Forget it. Decision fatigue sets in. Or we're jumping from thing to thing to thing. And Gary Keller talks about multitasking. Listen, you may be the best multitasker out there. Science says be careful multitasking because what's really happening is you are jumping off of momentum from one thing and jumping right into another thing. And the way that the brain communicates and needs to reset is different than the, maybe the pace you're trying to go. And you may not actually be doing more uh, or, or being more productive. You're just being more spread out. Choice is important. If we are prioritizing the right effort, then we must also prioritize the right choices. What can we do that gets us the most impact, right? and is in most alignment for what we need right now and where we're going. The fourth value, the value of value. 
value adding versus non-value adding activities you need to know these you need to sit down you need to write these out right now what are the value adding activities in your life what are the non-value adding activities and they could be anything they could be well i'm playing too many video games or uh i'm watching netflix a little bit too much i'm not saying you have to get rid of netflix completely you could say you know what there's only one night a week i just want to make sure to watch an hour of it just to to numb out a little bit listen i know that you get some high performers out there and i agree with them too and they say like you know screw netflix get rid of all of it etc but there's uh, every person's different and i want to at least acknowledge that if every person's different you might need an hour a week of netflix where you're like you know what there's a series that i like to watch on there and quite frankly I actually, so for me, I watch documentaries a lot of times, like I mentioned on a previous podcast about watching the documentary on Da Vinci. That was actually very invigorating for me and gave me a lot of ideas and gave me podcast episodes to talk about. So be careful what, you know, the experts say. It's more about understanding your flow, right? So what's a value adding activity? So for me, watching documentaries ever so often, that's actually value adding for me. That's actually helping me think outside the box of things that I want to do with what I'm creating. So the second thing to the value is understand where are the results coming. Are they, you know, what are those, what are the value added activities versus the non-value added? And then of the value added, where are the results coming from? Or I mean, what are those results? Sorry, like, are they happiness, peace, flow, health, more money, prosperity? You know, have a, have a relationship with understanding what makes them value adding for you. This is important because it'll help distinguish when you have to make choices as more opportunities come later on. If you're understanding where your value adding activities are, as more choices come, you will be able to, see, I'm going to keep tying all these, make the right priority. You're going to prioritize the right choices. And then, of course, you'll give it the right effort. So, so far, we've used all four of the nine values. Now I'm gonna jump into the number five, which is the value of leverage. Now Naval Ravikant emphasized leveraging your unique strengths and focusing on areas where you have a distinct advantage. So this is something, whether you are working in a nine to five, whether you are a career person, an entrepreneur, whether you, or even in your personal life or wherever in your relationships, knowing your strengths are everything because it allows you to master them more knowing your weaknesses allows you to see at, not only be vulnerable about like okay maybe you don't do that as well does your partner does somebody else that your does your coworker, does your business partner does somebody else you're around do them better or can you hire somebody right you definitely want to know your unique strengths because the more you work on those strengths, I'm gonna give you a really great example here in a minute, the more leverage you create for yourself. Who are you? Well, I'm the guy that can do this, this, and this really well. Yeah, but are you the guy? Yeah, I'm the guy. I'm that person that can do, like, honestly, I'm top of class in this, this, and this. That's, that's my thing. And that creates a distinct advantage for you. And, and again, this can also be applied to relationships because if you know in your relationships what each of you are good at, then you can support each other in the things that you're not. So questions to ask yourself, what are your advantages that you can double down on? What are your weaknesses so you know where you would eventually need help? And of your advantages that you're going to double down on, where can you contribute them, teach them, volunteer them, guide others, etc. Now, here's an example I wanted to give you, something that I learned when I was in MBA school. Again, I, 
Can't say that uh, I needed to go to MBA school. Back then, I thought I did. Now, looking back, I probably didn't. <laughs> but I'm, I'm still very grateful either way. But there was a couple of really great wise nuggets of information that I got there. And one of them was that um, in the very one of the very first weeks of school, we did an exercise where we were talking about, I want you to think about where your strengths are. On a scale of, you know, uh, zero to... A uh, hundred, and and they said, make sure it's a strength that you can accurately say you're anywhere between the eighty-five to hundred percentile range. And you're like, okay, and then they're like, what about your weaknesses? And what what percentile range is that? It's probably under eighty-five, etc. Whatever that might be. And I liked how they positioned that. I was like, okay, and I looked at what my my strengths were. I looked at what what they what I I was called to most and what I just did really really well. And like. Go ahead and grade that. I was like, oh, this is a 91%. This is a 92%. This is a 95%. Like, great. Look at your weaknesses. And I looked at my weaknesses and they go, where are you at on that? I'm like, ooh, that's probably like a 65. That's probably like a 70. And then this was the game changer right here. The individual, the professor, he was saying something like, if you were to move from 92% and increased two or even 3% on your strengths, you'd be at 95%, thereby putting you in nearly the top, top of what you do. If you move only, if you work very hard on your weaknesses and you only improve five or even 10%, you're still in the set, you know, the 60th, 70th percentile. You haven't really moved the needle much. And he wasn't saying don't work on your weaknesses in terms of, you know, just using that as an excuse. He was just saying that notice the difference that if you apply the mastery to the things that you're really good at, how much how much 2% actually increases your mastery versus your weaknesses. And if you know your weaknesses, then you at least know who can complement you in the process. So you're not trying to do everything. So I thought that was, that was pretty spot on. So think about that, the value of leverage, if you know your advantages, if you know what's value adding and you know how to make the right choices, then you can prioritize the right effort. And that's bringing all five of the points together. And now we're going to move on to the value of time, maximizing the return on time, spending time on endeavors that offer the highest return on investment, whether that's in terms of a monetary gain, a personal gain or building lasting value. And that also comes, that one comes from Naval. Spending time on endeavors that offer the highest return on investment. I don't want you to think of investment as just like, oh, money. No. M investment is where are you exerting energy, thoughts, time, right? That's what this one's really about. Money. Anything that you are giving attention to is an investment. Are they offering you a high return? So the question is ask yourself, where and how are you spending time? Where is their waste? Where is their profit, quote unquote, or return, quote unquote? Like meaning like, where are you seeing the returns? Because if you're valuing your time, then you are valuing your, your advantages, your strengths. So you're creating leverage for yourself and you create, and then you, you expand through value added exercises thereby better choices, thereby prioritization and the right effort. And then I'm going to wrap up with these three 
the value of compound interest, the value of efficiency, and the value of subtraction. The value of compound interest. Naval discusses the compounding effects of investing time in activities that can yield long-term benefits. My friends, this is in everything in your life. Is the relationship giving you life or taking from it? Is the job giving you life or taking from it? Is the creativity giving you life or taking from it? Now, this isn't to uh, move away from the work. This is to identify whether or not you are getting a return from effort, good effort, not laziness. And then there's the value of efficiency. And Gary Keller introduced the concept of the domino effect where accomplishing one significant task can lead to the accomplishment of others. I've said this before, and I think there was a, either an episode or a post about this where I said, you know, can you make one decision that makes a thousand? Can you make one decision that makes a thousand? Learning to make good choices, the value of choice, will create efficiency in your life, which uses time well, which creates leverage for you, is a value-added activity, means you're prioritizing with the right effort, and there's immense compound interest from making decisions like that. See how they're all tied together? And this, of course, can be followed up with the final, which is the value of subtraction. Eliminate distractions and multitasking by dedicating focused time to your most important tasks. You can achieve deeper levels of predict productivity and creativity. You expand through subtraction, not addition. When you get rid of things that are distracting you and we are a distracted society, how could we not be? There is a lot of things coming at us. That is why pausing and reflecting and praying and meditating and journaling and walking and working out and writing and creating. All of these things are so healthy for us because they pull us out of the chaos of the collective. And they get us reined in on all these nine values, which is where should my priorities be? Where should my right effort be? How am I making choices? What is adding value to my life? Where am I creating leverage from the things I'm really good at? How am I using time? How is that compounding? Where, why is, where is there most efficiency from my choices? And of course, how am I getting rid of the distractions to do all of that? And again, I'm going to put these uh, books that I'm referencing in the show notes. The Clarity Workshop is also in there. There's been over 300 of you actually in that class. It's been incredible. Uh, it's, it's a self-guided course. It's six days of clarity. There's six emails that'll come to you, but there's four templates to use that will get all of this clear for you. Please use the resource. I'm telling you, it is a game changer. And uh, hearing from some of you guys about how much of it's a game changer has meant a lot to me. I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you. As always, you guys are amazing. Uh, please leave a written review on Apple as it helps expand the awareness of the show. Uh, and we are growing. It means so much to me. Thank you guys as always. And until next episode, I'm out. All right, that's it. We'll stop there for right now. I hope you found this helpful and applicable in some way. I want you to remember, you do not need to fit in and you certainly do not need to fit into some category or title nor be put into some box. The niche is you. It always has been. 
Please share this with a friend and be sure to leave a rating and review. Your feedback means everything to me. And also, thank you for listening and supporting me. If you're new and you want to receive these the moment they come out, please text me 480-530-7352. Text me podcast. I promise to only send you the good stuff. Thank you. And until next time, I'm out.